Roster Watch Nation. It's your local trash man here with the fantasy fallout going into week three of the NFL season. Is it just me or are these rules that prohibit defensive players from actually playing defense um, kind of letting some of these receiving stats get out of hand? It's pretty crazy, right? On to game one. It was a Thursday night matchups. The Ravens at the Bengals. The Ravens lose this one 23-34. Alex Collins carries, or lack thereof. He only had nine this week. It has to be a little disconcerting. You know, he made up for it in receiving three receptions for 55 yards, but he isn't getting the kind of volume we've kind of grown to expect from him from last season. I think it's mostly to blame on game flow thus far. So the Ravens blew out the Bills, so they didn't really need him there. And they got down early to the Bengals, so they're playing catch-up most of the time. The moral of the story is Buck Allen is useful in either case. The carries will come for Collins, but yeah, you need to roster Buck Allen because he's going to be useful. I said it last week. I think uh, it was in the garbage grab that John Brown needed to be owned. He was tearing it up all preseason, the best Actually, actually, the best-looking receiver. Um, I don't know about his face, but you know, at least on the field um, for the Ravens throughout the preseason. You know that necessity has only increased. He scored in back-to-back weeks, and he actually tied Michael Crabtree for targets with ten this week. As long as he's healthy and he looks healthy, um, he's got sky-high upside. On the other side of the ball, another one bites the dust. At least for now. Joe Mixon is out two to four weeks with a knee injury, leaving Gio Bernard, uh, fourth-round rookie Mark Walton, and practice squad warrior Trey Carson uh, to fill in the gaps. The obvious pickup is Bernard, but it might be worth a shot to see what Walton has to offer. He has three down-back skills, um, but he's stuck at the combine, so you know not a lot of people are high on him. I think he had a 4-6-40. Um, but necessity may move him into the spotlight there for the Bengals. So, you know, it's a deep league that you have. Maybe Walton's somebody you look into. All right, so let's talk about wide receiver Tyler Boyd for a minute. He went 6 for 9 this week, 91 yards, and that was after 3 of 5, 26-yard game in week 1. The uh, stats are rising. The action is increasing, and Dalton looks to him second only after A.J. Green. You know, not even Tyler Eifert is getting as many targets. Ross is more talented, you know, on the outside, but Dalton, he trusts Boyd. Um, You know, Boyd's kind of been lost in all the Ross hype. He should be owned in PPR formats, especially since he plays the slot, and he may be used as an extension of the run, you know, as long as Mixon's out. So he's somebody you need to take a long look at. Moving on, the Panthers at the Falcons. They lost this one 24-31. Wide receiver Jarius Wright, a Vikings fame. Five receptions, 62 yards, one touchdown. Is the middle of the field presence that Greg Olson cannot be right now. He's worth a look in deeper in PPR leagues. You know, tight end Ian Thomas wasn't really cutting it. Jarius Wright might be somebody you want to look at. Coach Rivera stated he wants to use DJ Moore. Well, more at the time. He only saw 17 snaps in each of his first two games, but he had a 51-yard touchdown in Week 2. 
displaying too much upside to ignore. You know, he was my number one ranked wide receiver going into the draft. Um, and he needs to be held wherever you can afford to keep him because, because I think they're, they're going to actually start using him um, quite a bit more. And he's very explosive. On the other side of the ball, it's a bad look on an offensive coordinator to have to be prodded by your head coach to get the most hyped wide receiver in the 2018 draft more involved in the offense. But apparently that's what happened with Steve Sarkeesian after week one. He got Calvin Ridley more looks in week two, and it paid off. Four receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Ridley's in a high-scoring offense, and he's arguably the second most talented receiver on the team. He's going to be worth owning sooner than later, especially if um, Devontae Freeman continues to have nagging injuries. By the way, Edo Smith, one of my favorite running backs um, coming into the draft, did a pretty good uh, Freeman impression on Sunday. Uh, 46 yards on nine carries. He'll continue to hover around 10 touches in week three when the Falcons take on the Saints in, you know, what should be a high-scoring game. So, you know, deeper leagues, you know, DFS, maybe Edo Smith is somebody that you take a look at. I liked him a lot. Next game, moving on, the Buffalo Bills at the Chargers. They lost this one 21-31. to uh, They came back. You know, it wasn't as close <laughs> as, as it seems, I guess, from the score sheet. At least Vontae Davis didn't think so. He actually left, retired at halftime. I've never seen anything like it. You know, I don't know if I should be mad at him or if I should applaud <laughs> a guy knowing when, you know, you know to walk out, knowing when, that, when he's done. You know, I guess he saw that he didn't need to put in more bodily effort, more risk of injury on a team that's, you know, really in a rebuilding year. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess he's spoken about it more. Maybe he has. I'm not sure. I haven't checked on today. Um, but it's interesting. So I asserted that Austin Eckler was a standalone value and not a handcuff to Melvin Gordon in this preseason's handcuff tool. Not only does Eckler have standalone value, he may end up becoming the second most important player in the Chargers' offense. Um, I guess not including Phillip Rivers and Melvin Gordon. Um, so I guess he'd be the third there. I know Keenan Allen is a major cog, but Eckler will get run in blowouts where you know Allen likely won't quite as much. You know, I think he's their new Danny Woodhead. And he may be better than Danny Woodhead. I love that Mike Williams, second-year receiver for the Chargers, had a touchdown on Sunday. I hate that it was one of only two catches on the day, even with Travis Benjamin sitting out. You know, Williams is worth having, but he's probably going to be pretty touchdown-dependent throughout the season, and that, that's something you're just going to have to realize uh, when you're thinking about using him. On the other side of the ball, Zay Jones my favorite son of the 2017 Senior Bowl, has actually led the Bills in receiving in both games this season. That isn't really saying much, considering how little offense has been generated overall for the Bills, but I think it's a good sign. Jones is capable of being a transcendent player for the Bills if he can put things together. And I think he can. LaShawn McCoy suffered broken rib cartilage on Sunday, 
which to me sounds like broken ribs, but apparently it isn't. He'll probably sit out week three, but he shouldn't miss more than that unless the Bills decide it's not worth rushing him back and what looks like it could be a lost season. So it's a very real possibility. Either way, Chris Ivory needs to be picked up in most leagues, you know, and you can even take a look at Marcus Murphy, um, who should spell Ivory and be used on passing downs. Moving on to the Vikings at the Packers, this one ended up in in a hilarious tie. It's Black Monday for kickers. This fifth-round rookie, Dan Carlson, the Vikings actually moved up to get him in the draft, was Knicks for veteran ace Dan Bailey. Carlson wasn't the only kicker to lose his job today. I'll talk about another one later. Carlson missed an easy 35-yard field goal, field goal um, that would have actually won the game for the Vikings in overtime if he'd made it. You know, I think the Vikings are getting a really good deal in Dan Bailey. The Cowboys shouldn't have let him go. The Vikings get one of the best kickers, most accurate kickers in recent history, to add to their already dynamic offense. Dalvin Cook suffered a hamstring injury in overtime, but said afterwards that he was just having cramps. I don't know. We'll see about that. But you need to add Latavius Murray um, before week three, if, if you can, just in case. The Vikings added veteran speedster Aldrick Robinson on Monday in a move that may send Laquan Treadwell to his rightful place on the bench. Yeah, I know he scored on Sunday, but he'd been underwhelming otherwise. And the Vikings would be virtually unstoppable through the air if they had a play-breaking slot receiver to add to the mix. And it looks like they do now. Robinson is a sneaky speculative ad in deeper formats. On the other side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers escaped from a dicey matchup with many no worse for the wear. You know, he had that knee injury against Chicago in week one. And he looks good to go for week three when he'll have his best matchup, actually, yet of the season against the Redskins, you know, who I w- wouldn't normally say is an easy matchup uh, for quarterbacks, but it's better than the Bears and the Vikings. Um, I hope you picked up Geronimo Allison after the garbage grab or before the, well, yeah, when the garbage grab came out last week before the game. Um, he's had 11 receptions, 133 yards, and a touchdown over two weeks. Um, he's going to be a regular contributor in fantasy, it looks like. You know, as long as Aaron Rodgers is on the field, uh, you need to make sure he's owned in your leagues. Do you want more of the Roster Watch podcast? Well, now you can have it. The Roster Watch Pro Podcast is now available for pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. All you have to do is sign up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll get access to all pro podcasts as well as our tools for fantasy draft season like the epic and magical mystical cheat sheets, in-season tools like the matchup tools, snap counts, touches, targets, touchdown dependencies, so much more. And then our DFS products, including the DFS cheat sheets for DraftKings and FanDuel, the Vegas tool, the Hyper DFS Professional Lineup Optimizer, and so much more. If you play preseason DFS, Roster Watch Pro is for you. We'll have weekly previews of the main slates for all of our pro members mixed in with exclusive content from the 20. 2018 training camp tour and then in 
end season, you're going to be able to enjoy Byron Lambert's legendary trade cast, uh, the waiver wire podcast, uh, premium podcasts like our weekly DFS breakdown. All this, all our tools, and all the access to us that you can imagine for the lowest price in the industry. We are a nation. Join us at rosterwatch.com. Moving on to the Colts at the Redskins. The Colts won this one 21-9. to Marlon Mack and Jordan Wilkins each had 10 carries in this one, bringing the nightmare of a timeshare on a middling offense to startling life. Oh, and don't forget that Naeem Hines also saw a handful of touches. Oh, and Robert Turbin will return after a four-game suspension to vulture goal line touches. You know, this whole thing is a game of musical chairs that would make Bill Belichick proud. <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm staying away from it. You know, I didn't draft any of these guys, so I'm not too terribly worried about it or concerned about it. I guess, you know, Jordan Wilkins had the best game of that crew, but they're not moving away from Marlon Mack as he can catch the ball and he can, you know, run through the tackles. Um, so I'm largely staying away from this backfield for the time being until I see that it's imperative that you need to use any one of these guys in particular. On the other side of the ball, the Redskins are fully committed to ditching Adrian Peterson, who had 11 carries for 20 yards, three reception for 30 yards, for Chris Thompson, who had 92 yards on 13 receptions when they're in hurry-up mode. They faced the Packers in Week 3, and they project to be playing from behind there. So don't be surprised if AP's output is less than spectacular in that game, too. Jamison Crowder has not failed to disappoint many an owner thus far in the season. He's only had five receptions for 40 yards. These yards are going to be hard to come by in an Alex Smith-led offense. You know, he's one of these QBs that's tend, that tends to have tunnel vision, um, only throws to two or three guys on a regular basis. And so far, those guys are Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson. Doxson actually had a decent number of targets this week, but, you know, that was different than week one for him. Um, these wide receivers are you know, likely to just be up and down on a weekly basis with Reed and Thompson being the only guys you can really rely on um, from game to game. Moving on, the Texans at the Titans. The Texans lost this one, 17-20, <laughs> against a, a Blaine Gabbert-led Titans offense. Deshaun Watson was able to salvage his day, 310 yards, two, two touchdowns, one interception. But he was under duress all day behind an offensive line that just can't protect him. I said this after I went um, and watched the 49ers and Texans have joint practices and just watch the pocket collapse for Deshaun Watson. He's got great receivers on the outside, so, you know, that's nice to have. But, you know, you got to temper your expectations for him um, this season from great to, you know, probably pretty good. Um, but probably not what we saw from him last season. It was nice to see Will Fuller in effect. Eight receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. He doesn't seem to have any lingering issues with his hamstring that had been bothering him. His return kind of sends Bruce Ellington back to earth. Um, 
you can expect rookie Kiki QT to take to you know overtake Ellington sometime soon. Anyway, when he gets up to speed and healthy. On the other side of the ball, you know when your team's biggest passing play is from your long snapper to a defensive back. You know your offense is not in great hands. The Titans did get the win, but Blaine Gabbert barely passed the century mark, only 117 yards, and an expectedly lackluster effort. Marcus Mariota still can't make all the throws he needs to make to be the quarterback we think he can be. So assume that Gabbert, you know, will start against the Jaguars in Week 3 and, you know, potentially accrue negative yardage. Um, Unsurprisingly, both Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry received double-digit touches in Week 2. They both had 15 touches overall. Um, Neither was very effective against the Texans, but this indicates they'll both get considerable run against the Jags, as um, it's unlikely that the Titans will throw the ball, or at least be successful in throwing the ball. Whether that will amount to anything is a different story. Um, I just wouldn't bother playing a Titans pass catcher this upcoming week. Um, Delaney Walker replacement, Johnny Smith, who we liked at the Senior Bowl last year, saw nary a target in Week 2 with Gabbard under center. You know, perhaps he'll get more looks when Mariota returns, but um, it's too big of a risk to start him right now with Gabbard under center. Moving on, the Eagles at the Buccaneers. The Eagles lost this one to the fire-hot Buccaneers. 21 to set to 2027. Corey Clement or Clement. Corey Clement. Uh, that's what I think it is. 11 touches, 85 yards, one touchdown. You know, he made a ripple on Sunday. As Darren Sproles was sidelined with a hamstring injury. If Sproles can't go this week, he actually makes for a pretty good flex play against the Colts. You know, if you weren't watching the game, Jayajai's stats. Eight touches, 27 yards, and a touchdown. They look very unappealing, minus that touchdown. He injured his back, though, a couple plays since the first half and sat until the second half, so his numbers suffered accordingly. I did say last week um, that he'll be alarmingly touchdown dependent, you know, with Philly rotating three backs on the regular, so don't be surprised if he has more these days without, you know, many yards, but, you know, a touchdown or at least chances to to score touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, well, it happened again. Ryan Fitzpatrick, yes, I'm using his actual last name now instead of FitzPP, at least for now. He went nuts against the Eagles, 402 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. You know, an Eagles team that, you know, effectively shut down Matt Ryan in week one. Second half, at least. Afterwards, at the press conference, he came out looking like Conrad McGeiger or B-grade Conor McGregor, maybe his cousin, somebody like it. This is all going to his head, and I fully expect his PP arm to fall off or explode any day now. You know, This has gotten out of hand. 
It's even put into question whether Jameis Winston is going to be the starter once he returns. I mean, you can't really argue with Fitzpatrick's numbers right now. Why put Jameis Winston back in there when you have a winning quarterback who's putting up numbers that (laughs) Winston has never put up? You know, but I can't hate it. It's paying off for these Tampa Bay pass catchers. Deshaun Jackson, he proved that his week one monster was no fluke as he racked up 129 yards in the touchdown on four catches. You know, he's a wide receiver too with wide receiver upside. Got to say it. You know, this is basically just my way of saying he's a wide receiver one. You know, at least he would be um, if he got the volume, you know, to match the yardage. You know, he's doing it on like four catches which is great, but I just don't know if that's something that you can depend on um, from a, for in a week on a week to week basis. So I'd like to see his catch, uh, his catches going up. Peyton Barber running back there for Tampa Bay. He only managed 22 yards on 16 carries. I mean that's a 1.7 yard per carry average. You know Alex has always hated Barber, and maybe there's good reason for it. You know, those kind of numbers aren't going to fly. The Bucks seem to hate Ronald Jones, but he has to be better than this. Look for him to get more chances in the near future. Tight end Cameron Brait was held catchless for the second straight week with Fitz under center. He seems to hate him with all of his heart. You can drop Brait for his long has Fitz as under center, which might be a while. Moving on to the Browns at the Saints. The Browns lost this one heartbreakingly, 18-21. Joss who? Just kidding. He's my GOAT. But Antonio Callaway, three receptions, 88 yards, one touchdown, made the Browns forget. The Black Anaconda wasn't there on Sunday as Tarod Taylor connected with him on one of the prettiest basket catches, 47-yard pass in recent memory. Rashard Higgins out-targeted Callaway 7-4, but he doesn't have the upside that Callaway has. Callaway needs to be owned in all but the shallowest formats. By the way, the Browns canned their kicker Zane Gonzalez, um, after his meltdown on Sunday. I mean, you can't really blame them. I felt so sorry for the kid. But they had, they had the win within reach. You know, it, it would have been, it would have been um, I guess, technically a tie. But, you know, they would have had a shot. Duke Johnson Jr. has fallen off a cliff. And I don't know when or if he'll make it back up. Terod Taylor just doesn't look at him. You know, I thought the loss of Gordon might open up a few targets for him, but that's just not the case. You need to see what you can get for him on the trade market. You know, I don't know what else to say about him. I do say that you shouldn't cut David Njoku yet, you know, even though he only had four receptions, 20 yards. He did tie for the team lead in targets with seven on Sunday. 
you know, I think his good games are ahead of him. On the other side of the ball, not much you didn't, that you didn't know already. Running back Mike Gilsley, though, had eight carries to Alvin Kamara's 13 in week two. He didn't do much with him, but they were there. You know, I think it's possible to get similar action in week three when the Saints face Atlanta. You know, it's a defense that you don't want to throw at on the outside. So Kamara's going to feast, and, you know, maybe Gillisley is somebody that you can look at in DFS. Moving on to the next game. It's the Lions at the 49ers. The Lions lost this one 27-30. Matt Stafford made an about face, 347 yards, three touchdowns after tanking against the Jets in week one on Monday night. It's good to know that it wasn't going to be a trend. You know, he should have more days like this Sunday than that one. You know, he's got three stellar receiving options in Kenny Galladay and Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. You know, four if you count Theo Riddick, who was in the garbage grab this week. You know, he had a pretty good PPR day, eight receptions for 47 yards. Carryon Johnson and LeGarrette Blunt split carries evenly, eight and eight. And what amounted to a three-way timeshare with Riddick. Johnson is the most versatile of the bunch. You know, he can catch and he can run between the tackles. Um, But the Lions aren't going to give him the keys anytime soon, it doesn't look like. Looks like a timeshare. So I don't know that you can depend really on any of these guys on a week-to-week basis. Except maybe Riddick in PPR formats. On the other side of the ball, Matt Breida. He had to do it to him on Sunday. Put up 159 all-purpose yards and a touchdown in an effort to, I guess, show that he's not just a pass-catching back. Alfred Morris is averaging only 3.31 yards per carry. <laughs> An insane 8.4 for Brita. You know, Morris seems to be losing that backfield battle in San Francisco. You need to own Brita if he's unknown in your league. You need to own him and you need to play him. Okay, also (laughs) on this side of the ball, I whiffed on this one. I thought Dante Pettis was a lock to get major action, you know, based on what he did in Marquise Goodwin's absence last week when Goodwin got hurt. But he only saw two targets, only had one catch for 35 yards. You know, I want to say he'll bounce back against KC if Goodwin's out this coming week, but... I don't know that you want to risk it. Moving on, the Chiefs at the Steelers. The Chiefs won this one 42-37. We thought that Deshaun Watson was something else when, you know, when we saw him and what he did in his rookie season. But Patrick Mahomes has gone and raised the bar. He's shattering records that have been held for decades like it's no big deal. The most touchdowns in the first two games in the Super Bowl era with 10, you know, and he did it getting everyone involved. He threw touchdowns to five different players. The running game suffered for it, but you can't really complain about numbers like this, 326 yards and six touchdowns. It's pretty good for everybody. Sammy Watkins finally got involved, six receptions for 100 yards He'll be up and down, you know, but within this offense, he's got potential to go huge every week. You know, 
you need to flex him. On the other side of the ball, James Conner, he fell back to earth on Sunday. Only 65 yards, but he did get a touchdown. You know, but really, what can you expect when you have to keep up with the Chiefs scoring? You got to throw the ball, and the Steelers did. Um, He'll go back to being an elite running back one in week three. Tight end Jesse James had the game of his career. Five receptions, 138 yards, and a touchdown, even with Vance McDonald back in the mix. I mean, I guess the Chiefs were just too busy trying to contain Juju and Antonio and Washington and Connor. You know, it's unlikely that we'll see repeat performance, but James is firmly on the streaming radar until further notice. Moving on, the Cardinals at the Rams. Cardinals not scoring in this one. The Rams had 34 points. You know, based on the box score, you might have thought that the Cards had started a toaster oven or a washing machine under center against the Rams. But even Blaine Gabbert went over 100 yards on Sunday, so that can't be true. Sam Bradford had 90 yards on the day and is basically playing himself or not playing himself out of the NFL. They need to make the move to Rosen like yesterday, the day before yesterday, actually. You know, to add insult with injury, Larry Fitzgerald injured his hammy on Sunday and is questionable going into week three. He's the kind of guy who would put it all out there to be in the game next week, even though they're probably going to lose it. But the Cardinals shouldn't be pressed to make him return. You know, if Bradford's a starter, I'm probably not playing him anyways. I'm not even bullish on David Johnson for week three. You know, the cards are going up against the Khalil Mack-led Bears. I don't know if there's anybody you can play in the Cardinals offense this coming week. I guess you have to play David Johnson if you have him, but you're not happy about it. On the other side of the ball, everything's coming up roses. The Rams are putting up enough offense to comfortably start Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cook and Robert Woods on a weekly basis. You just set him and forget him. Moving on to the next game, the Patriots at the Jaguars, and they lost this one. 20 to 31. Sony Michelle, James White, and Rex Burkhead, they all played on Sunday. And they pretty much canceled each other out, on the ground at least. You know, only 67 yards. This may have uh, been in large part dictated by the Jags' stifling defense. And Rex Burkhead may have been nagged by, you know, his recent injuries. I'm not really sure. Or he might have been a victim of game flow. But it looks like the kind of timeshare we've seen from Belichick in years past where you really don't know who, depend, who to depend on week to week. Michelle did run well and violently. And he's the kind of guy, well, he's the, he's the back there that I'm most excited about in standard formats. But White looks like the back, you know, that may not be game flow specific. You know, they're going to throw the ball to him in really any circumstance. Burkhead. Um, I think he's going to have to rely on touchdowns largely. I don't know. It's just I'm not excited about the situation in general. Um, But I do like James White. Josh Gordon got traded. I guess the Browns thought that cutting him um, wouldn't be the best move. 
They traded him to the Pats. Gordon might be their new Randy Moss. You remember the Randy Moss Patriots days. Setting records. You know, they signed him this afternoon, and it could be a match made in heaven. I think Chris Hogan looks like he may be the biggest loser in this one. Gordon is surely going to siphon red zone targets. You know, and I don't know, that may hurt Gronkowski too. I mean, but he can afford to be hurt a little bit. Uh, Chris Hogan probably can, as he depends on those touchdowns. Philip Dorsett, he might be able to get something. You might be able to get something for him in trade. I don't know if he does anything noticeable this week. But the time for him, um, you know, being productive in New England is running short as Julian Edelman's return is growing near. On the other side of the ball, the Jags found success through the air on Sunday. And TJ Yeldon suffered for it. He only outtouched Corey Grant 12 to 10 for 59 yards on the day. If Fournette sits in week three in week three against the Titans, Yeldon is, I think, a flex at best. But then so is Grant. You know, maybe you want to take a look at him. You can take a shot at pretty much any Jags receiver in week three, I think. Um, they're going up against the Titans, who both Miami and Houston have found success through the air against. You know, I think the Jags will be no different, especially if Fournette sits. And moving on to the next one. The Raiders at the Broncos. The Raiders lost this by one, 19-20. You know, and what a difference a week makes. A week after Amari Cooper had one catch for nine yards, he put up a 10 for 116 Monster on Sunday. I guess Carr took Coach Gruden calling him pretty much a chicken to heart. You know, the question here is, which is the real Cooper? You know, I'm not really sure, but I think you have to start him against the Dolphins this week in hopes that this game wasn't a fluke. He looks like their best option in the receiving game. You know, who doesn't look like their best option is Jordy Nelson, who needs to be benched until we figure out if he stinks or if Carr is scared of throwing to him too. I don't know. I think maybe he's lost a step. Martavis Bryant probably hasn't lost a step, but he is facing a year-long suspension, and he's being allowed to play while it's being appealed. I don't know. For me, the Raiders' offense just isn't dynamic enough for me to bother with him. Someone that is dynamic enough for me to bother with on the other side of the ball, Philip Lindsay. He's the truth. He almost doubled Royce Freeman's touches on Sunday, 15-8. to eight. And really the only thing keeping him from being a running back one, in my estimation, are goal line carries. You know, which Freeman is going to have to live and die by until further evidence is shown. You can drop Devontae Booker in all formats, in all of them. And if somehow Philip Lindsay is not owned in your league, you need to run, not walk, to your waiver wires and put in a bid for them. And last but not least, I don't know, maybe least, it's a pretty unexciting game until the very end at least, uh, the Giants at the Cowboys, the Giants lost this one, 13-20. Sterling Shepard, he looks like the odd man out, you know, as the fifth option for Eli Manning after two games. I think he's really only an asset in PPR leagues right now. 
You just can't really trust him outside of that. The Cowboys re-signed Bryce Butler yesterday in an effort to not have Journeyman Deontay Thompson be their best receiving option. Or was it today they signed him? I think it was yesterday. Um, you know, Butler played there before going to Arizona. Um, the Cowboys didn't use him well the first time around. So I'm not sure they're going to be able to figure it out this time either. He was a speculative ad and really not much else at this point. I, I don't really trust this passing game. And I need to see a lot more from these Cowboys before you know I start any of these receivers. Tavon Austin did have a decent game. 79 yards and a touchdown, but it was only on two receptions. You know, you can't trust him to do it every week. I think he'll be worth the occasional tournament play in DFS, but he's going to have to string together a few games like this before he warrants season-long fantasy consideration. And that is the fantasy fallout going into week three. Hopefully there are some nuggets you can use for your advantage going into these week three matchups. You know, if you didn't catch something, you can find all of this information at rosterwatch.com under Trashman's Fantasy Fallout going into week three. Again, this is the Trashman signing off, Roster Watch Nation. Good luck this week.